Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Two nights ago, a SATCOM radar detected an unidentified object entering Earth's atmosphere. Invaders from Mars. Some assumed it was a large meteor or a downed satellite. This is no meteor, gentlemen. <laughs> This is something much more dangerous. So, I guess you're not gonna hurt me, huh? This is unbelievable. This is the greatest discovery since television or something. Hey, big metal guy! I got food here for you! My own giant robot. I am now the luckiest kid in America! Banzai! There's Cal Kent Mansley. I work for the government. Where's the giant? For some reason, the army is in our front yard, Mr. Mansley. We must stop it at all costs. Go to Code Red. Repeat, Code Red. We've got to help him. Hogarth, no! We gotta hide. Hey, stop! There's a kid in his hand. You can't protect him, Hogarth. Run! Warner Brothers Family Entertainment presents The Iron Giant. All right, do you want me to start off? Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, The Iron Giant is uh, the film. Um, this <laughs> I, that, went, that felt better in my head. Uh, the Iron Giant came out. When did it come out? I think 1999, Ben. <laughs> August 6th, 1999. This is a surprising, uh, surprising, uh, sort of surprisingly disappointing run in theaters uh, at the time. Uh, I remember throughout the summer, there was definitely a ton of hype for this movie, even though, even though there was a sense that um, the flat 2d animation was on its way out and that people weren't as interested in it. You know, I remember 
that when this film came out, there was definitely, it was sort of like the snakes on a plane. Uh, uh, what's a, what's another uh, good, good example? Blade Runner 2049. It was sort of like that kind of thing, like a very esoteric uh, specific uh, audience that it was going for. And they were mm-hmm. very, very hyped and intensely into it. Uh, and then it came out and, and it just did uh, really poorly. Uh, and, and that has been sort of the thing that has kind of, kind of dogged it a bit, despite now I would say everyone would admit that it is a, you know, cult classic, that it's a film people really, you know, hold close to, uh, their heart. And, uh, yeah, when, when I finally caught up with this on TV, I really liked it. It it really moved me and it was, you know, it was a very surprising thing and rewatching it had to be it had to be the first time I was rewatching it all the way through since nineteen ninety since like nineteen ninety nine or, or two thousand or whatever. And and yeah, it still ha- it still has a big emotional effect on me. And uh boy, I don't know. It's like you, you would th- you think some of these emotions are like old hat and that, you know, you're not really gonna uh be able to be moved by this kind of stuff. But uh boy, uh I was surprised. Uh by the end of this, I was just like a, and this is after, you know, being a blubbering mess during the sixth sense, you know, I was just a blubbering mess at the end of this movie. So Michael Denniston, what did you think of the Iron Giant? So I didn't see this in 1999 because, um, well, it's interesting. I don't really like remember being like aware of it leading up to it, which if you go on the Wikipedia page, you know, you'll see a whole segment on the marketing of the film or, you know, lack thereof, uh, where, you know, apparently Warner brothers just, you know, didn't know what they had or just didn't care, uh, because they were already out or sort of, uh, on their way out of the animation game. They were seeding that to, to Disney. Um, so I, I knew about it probably because of the, glowing reviews of the you know film sites that i followed uh, i remember in particular ain't cool news uh, people going nuts for it which kind of gave me a little bit of pause to be honest i i, <laughs> I don't know if you've felt that way where even uh you know it, there can be you know sites or critics that are like you know clearly into film uh like yourself like me but uh when they go like so far like mm-hmm. to to praise something like to this extreme where it becomes a little scary, like where it's like it starts to sound a little unhinged as far as like, and we we saw that recently with like you know the the response to Booksmart uh, bombing at the box office, where at the time I had seen the film and enjoyed it, and I was put off by the way people were talking about it. Where it's like oh, I don't want to be associated with that. Good God! What, what I remember, craziest. what I remember about Any Cool News is that the earlier they saw a movie, <laughs> uh, the more they praised it. And, mm. and the later they saw it, the more the more they talk shit about it. And it didn't matter what it was; <laughs> like it could be a really terrific movie. But if they if they saw it like the week of its release, it was just like ah, this is not not that good. Um, but if they saw it three months, you know, prior or whatever, and it, and if it was like a work in progress, you know, that was what they loved the most. Um, yeah, I never really held them in high regard, to be honest. So, you know, I'm I'm hearing good things about it after uh probably after it's, you know, come my way and it may have still been theaters, but look, I'm, you know, sixteen at the time and I'm not gonna go see like a, a cartoon aimed at kids as and and it looked like, you know, it, it didn't look bad to me. It just looked like, oh, that's probably I've probably missed my window where I'm the target audience, which kind of, you know, plays off what you're saying where it's like, you know, at a certain point, 
even though it's doing everything like in the best way possible, like, you know, can those emotional beats still hit you when it's about a, a boy and his a giant robot that he finds? Uh, and yes, I mean, I think it does. Now I, I came to this very late for, uh, I believe it was an episode of war machine versus war horse where I sort of forced myself to watch it. So that's, you know, that's probably 15 years after wow. this film releases. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I never heard anything but good things about it, but I never actually talked to anyone in my real life who had seen it. Like th- this is just like internet references to the greatness of the iron giant and what a travesty it was that it, you know, that it tanked at the box office that Warner brothers didn't get behind it. Cause if it had been a Disney movie, it would have been a modern classic. Heard all those things and, you know, just like let them just go in one ear and out the other. Um, and I was sort of, there was this like longing feeling I had when I watched it then. And even when I watched it now for this podcast where I'm like, wow, I wish, you know, some way this had come out when I was a kid. Like, you know, cause this, this, this probably would have been one of my all time, like favorite movies if it had hit me just the right moment. So there's still, there's still like a modest amount of disconnect, uh, and sadness when I, when I watch it, um, you know, not only for it not being a huge hit, but also just like coming a little bit too late for me. Uh, so I don't think it has the, you know, it doesn't totally click for me where it's like anything that I, like if I'm giving this just like a letterbox review, I think it's like five stars. It's a perfect movie. Uh, but I don't know, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be one that I, I talk about with that reverence when mm-hmm. I'm like naming like my favorite films of all time, just because there can be those windows that close, uh, for you. But I, I mean, I, it's, it's brisk. It's, it's funny. Uh, I love the, the look of the animation. I love, um, you know, I love the, the use of Superman here. As I said, it's my favorite Superman movie that's ever mm-hmm. been made. It's with this robot that, you know, just, just sees, sees like two directions he can go, and and goes the other way and and becomes this this heroic figure just because just because it's a choice to to be that as i I think it's a beautiful film but uh yeah there's still there is still that element where i'm like you know i was just too old for it uh when i when i first watched it or even if i'd watched it back in 1999 you know it's like i i hate superhero movies um today and they just all seem so cookie cutter and, and boring and basic mm-hmm. and and but I but I in general I really like movies that that examine uh, people's feelings towards superheroes and uh, and I think that and you and I you and I recently had a discussion on uh, Hollywoodland uh, from 2006 and we kind of got into that and so uh, yeah that's that, that that's what really pulls in my heart uh, a lot here is just just this idea of of this big piece of machinery that has been designed for one specific thing uh but but has the consciousness to uh want to be something else and uh yeah I really like that and I find that you know that's the kind of thing like I can understand uh you know <laughs> I, uh, I I what I what I when I look at people's obsessions with uh superheroes today it seems like they're seeking out superhero content because they really just can't deal with the regular everyday problems, uh, you know, of life. And, and it's well, uh, power trips, right? I mean, that's, yep. mm-hmm. and that, that's the original, you know, the creation of them is to, to play into that, that thing, like any sort of action movie. Uh, like I always think like, you know, dirty Harry is like, you know, coming out and was it 1970 uh, or the early seventies and, 
uh, you know, it's just like, let's, let's give the American populace Clint Eastwood with a gun and he's going to handle like <laughs> this, the serial killer problem. You know, this very, like, if you ever want to have a, like a, a, I guess odd double feature, like, you know, put him and uh, Zodiac on the same night and see, see how like, you know, you have on one hand, you have Jake Gyllenhaal as a cartoonist and then you have Clint Eastwood who's just like, well, I'm going to kick down enough doors and I'm going to find know- this guy and I'm. I really love uh, that Dirty Harry film, uh, and so I would love to have a discussion with you on it uh, someday. On those? Okay. Uh, yeah. It, it's I mean, a yeah, really, it's, any... a, it's a, it's a de- deceptively subtle movie uh, in, in some regards. Uh, but it is a power trip. I mean, it is. Sure. The whole yeah, Dirty Harry series is. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, you know, saying that's necessarily a bad thing about, you know, the comic books early comic books are the superhero superhero genre when it's like you know looking at the old like sort of strong man like circus acts and like taking their cues from that uh these feats of strength but um the iron giant is like you know totally subverts that because like it would be easy in this film for this robot to not stop and have any sort of conversations and just kind of <laughs> even if he was rebelling against his programming here to to be this this weapon for a particular uh country or something of that nature uh you know he doesn't have to stop to like learn or grow in any way he could just uh you know if he has a consciousness he could just follow his own pursuits and just not care if he's knocking down buildings uh, you know he could do the Zack Snyder man of steel thing and kill thousands upon thousands of people like but you know still somehow come across as a hero uh even though he learns to kill like that yeah that this this thing I, I don't know if like if young boys would get into it as much just because this is a, a a superhero that decides to do the hard thing which is to not seek out violence when it would be so easy for them to overpower everything that comes in their path weirdly enough i think maybe not in its 2d animated form like this but i think if you took this same kind of story and now that the technology is there and everything you could have sort of a live action hybrid you know of it and mm-hmm. i feel like this like commercially this would be like the perfect time for it now right when people's you know love for superheroes and everything is you know at the you know at at, its, at hopefully at its peak and um you know it would probably probably do a lot better today this story by itself uh and and it would it's it's like just populist and just commercial enough to to appeal to that wide spectrum of people uh but it's also cool enough that uh and and sentimental and nostalgic enough for for critics to Mm -hmm. get excited over it too and so well, I remember uh, Spielberg, you know, even using the Iron Giant and uh, Ready Player One, just in one of those like big, like big, very like you know Avengers style shots of like all the heroes like charging towards the camera, and there was the Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, he's uh, obviously, I think, I, I don't think there was an expectation that the general audience would be like, oh my god, the Iron Giant's in this, like <laughs> that sort of thing. But it's just a little Easter egg where it's like, yeah, it's still in certain circles, you know, there's such great reverence for this, but, um, this, you know, it probably would, I mean, there would be a ton of like, you know, uh, clickbaity posts, uh, complaining if they ever remade the iron giant. And then it uh-huh. kind of goes against a previous comment you've made where well, it's like, you know, why do they remake great things? But like, there's a lot of, I mean, for the most part, this truly is kind of a forgotten film, uh, as far as the general population. If you got Brad Bird involved, involved, I think there, there probably wouldn't be as much, uh, 
mean tweets um, <laughs> if you did that. There will always be mean <laughs> tweets. They'll, they'll be mean tweeting Brad Bird, calling him a horrible asshole. <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. I mean, you know, there has been there has been like a, kind of a tradition of of different filmmakers remaking their own films. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock remade The Man Who Knew Too Much. John Hughes remade some stuff, and um, you know, I'm sure there's others. I can't think right now. Uh, so. <laughs> so you're 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 putting Brad Bird in that. And that he's getting a pass like those filmmakers did. Well, I don't know. What else are they going to do? I mean, there's not, you know, like, <laughs> like, like really we're kind of limited on options at this point. I'm just saying this has that cross section of, you know, the superhero thing. Uh, all the, all the original cast members are still with us. You could have all these people back, you know, in some form or another. I mean, mainly what, what I mean is you could have Vin Diesel do the voice for the Iron Giant again. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, that that man likes an easy paycheck. You know, he is he is Groot oh, in Marvel, so sure, I think he'll come back. You know, and so you brought up something interesting. You brought up something interesting because this movie does something that that when I see it in other uh, movies like this, I get really annoyed. Uh, and so, yeah, okay, you brought up Groot. Um, I'm trying to think of how how I talk about this without spoiling it. I don't like being led falsely to the conclusion that you know beloved characters uh you know are are you know they've 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 just had it you know and uh and then and then two scenes later oh you know they're gonna be fine um i feel like it's sort of okay so like you kind of go back to you haven't seen this movie i don't know if this is a spoiler or not okay spoiler alert for star trek 2 the Wrath of Khan. Do you care? Okay. Star Trek II, uh, The I mean, Wrath of Khan. I, I think I'm aware of the spoiler you're going to talk about. Yeah. But no, I don't care. Okay. okay. Spoiler alert for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, so when Spock dies at the end of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, the, the final image hints that he might, you know, be, be able to be resurrected or whatever. But But it doesn't answer that question for you. I really don't like how in a lot of Disney movies... Uh, big blockbusters, um, some of which involve the cast members we see here in Iron Giant, where they do the same thing, but they they have to make sure the audience knows, oh, this character isn't, you know, will, will definitely be alive, you know, and it's, it it just sort of robs you of the experience of being able to feel uh, that loss, and I and I and I and I'm pretty sure there was a case where like. You know, like they 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 tried to convince people that that Spider Man was going to die in one of these movies, and mm-hmm. obviously they had already signed the actor. They they were all like advertising like the next Spider Man movie, so it's like you're not <laughs> fooling had, anyone. Uh, <laughs> they already had teaser posters up for next summer, <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> like this is ridiculous. Uh, you know, like you know, let's like if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna kill a, a character off that people really love, at least let them. Uh, go through that that journey of experiencing that without this whole, you know, oh, he's coming back, you know, kind of deal. Let me tell you an old man uh, version <laughs> sure. of this, this story. It was pretty uh, old to begin with, so I'll, I'll be interested to hear this. <laughs> well, you, uh, I guess you're going to consider my my parents uh, horrible uh, for this, but most most people I think would say they did the the decent thing. But it took me when I was, uh, you know, I was probably like I don't know six. Uh, probably around six years old, I think, when Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade comes out. So if you've not seen that, 
you know, spoiler uh, alert for for this one for this uh, classic uh, Spielberg film of the uh, the eighties, and I, uh, most people would say the, the final Indiana Jones film. Um, so it's uh, introducing Indiana Jones' father, played by Sean Connery, who uh, throughout most of the film is, the, I guess, the foil to, in a, a comedic way, to Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. Like he's very. Very difficult, uh, very contentious relationship they have in their series of misadventures with Nazis and the, you know, the, the their search for uh, <laughs> for friends and uh, I guess Nazi love interests that they share. All sorts of hijinks, right? Very fun. Um, towards the end of the film, uh, right before they're uh, doing, I guess, their last walk through this uh, this tomb they found for the Holy Grail, uh, they are trying to strong arm Indiana Jones into doing this for him. The Nazis are, and he won't do it under threat of torture death. But what he will do is, uh, seek it out to save his father. And so what they do is they shoot him right in the gut. And so I'm, as I said, like around six years old and I see this character that I really like. And it's, uh, you know, it's got the, the fatherhood aspect. I'm watching it with my parents and I see Sean Connery, big movie star. I see him shot and writhing in pain and I see Indiana Jones is very upset. Uh, and so I get very upset and, you know, start, start to react as if I just saw, you know, the character saw a person that I really like just shot. And so my parents, like, you know, see that and they comfort me by saying, you know, Indiana Jones, he'll save him. He'll, it's going to be all right. <laughs> And I don't believe them. Like, <laughs> I think my parents are lying to me. Uh, so they have to tell me, no, we've already seen this movie. We're telling you for sure it ends up all right. Um, so I don't know if Ben, if you think, uh, you know, that that was horrible parenting on that part, that they just didn't let me go through the whole, the whole process with Indiana Jones saying his father was dead and there's nothing you do. But I, as a six year old, totally bought into that moment. And the film was doing nothing to comfort me, but my parents had to sort of, I guess, break the uh, the fourth wall there for for Mr. Spielberg and say, no, no, it all works out in the end. But you know what? I, you know what I most find people funny? don't have that reaction. You know what I find funny about the ending of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Oh, here we go. Uh, Going to ruin so... this childhood memory I have. This great moment. So, what's her name? What's her name? Ilsa. You know, like her, like the Nazi love. Yeah, interest. Indiana Jones is holding on to her, and she's reaching for the cup. You know, and he's like, come on, Elsa, let's, you know, don't, don't leave it and everything. Like, what's he going to do? Like, well, you know, if he saves her, like, it's going to be kind of a weird transition <laughs> to having like a committed relationship to a Nazi, <laughs> yeah. I would think, you know, like, well, yeah, what are they going to do? Uh, are they going to sit down and watch the sorrow and the pity with, uh, together? And he's going to like reform her, like, you know, hard to imagine. Uh, <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it, hard it would to have been, it would have been way more interesting than Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull is what i would say See, i was trying uh, not to mention that but yeah you went okay yeah i mean that's a better pitch i don't i don't know if spielberg and lucas would have uh, come back for another round to all right elsa <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna watch showa today <laughs> indiana jones and the marriage to a nazi like yeah that's that's probably not gonna sell it uh but anyway yeah to your point as far as like having to actually experience those things that that's the one that sticks out most in my mind where i, I totally bought into what the film was presenting me as if uh, this will actually happen. It was not yet keyed into like, well, they're not going to kill off Sean Connery. That can never happen. But uh, even today, they probably would, would, you know, they'd already seed like, you know, they, uh, if we get this, then this will save him. So now this is, it's like a video game where it's like, okay, this is just this, the reason we're going on the quest. So this is the, the level that I have to go through to, to complete that task and get experience points. That's kind of where we're at with uh, modern movies. So back to the Iron Giant. 
Um, not a video the game. Thing that, the thing that sticks out to me watching it today is just how many little character scenes there are in the movie, which doesn't happen in a lot of animated movies, even before uh, 1999. You know, in general, the, the idea was with these animated films is that, you know, get the kids in, keep them stimulated with, you know, visual uh, stuff going on. You know, so they don't get tired and fussy and, you know, want to go home and take a nap. <laughs> and, and this this movie, you know, has, you know, like some really good scenes that are literally just dialogue between, you know, animated uh, people. And, and I find them I find them to be really interesting and really enjoyable. Is my son bothering you, sir? Yes. <laughs> no. Call me Dean. Uh, Hogarth. You were going to get your pet, honey? I will, Mom. Right after I finish talking with... Dean. Dean. <laughs> Found your pet. Where? It's up my leg, man. Squirrels in my pants, Hogarth. I'm trying not to wake out here. Don't wake out. Okay. Setting north now. I'm sorry, kid. I'd like to apologize to everyone in advance for this. You know, it's not just to uh, to have this this moment in the this diner with the pet squirrel and have hijinks but it's you know it's gonna pay off later where you know he's he's met someone that will you know will will keep his secrets to a point i I love how that scene ends where he (laughs) eventually cannot keep this uh pet that is now like in his pants like crawling all over him he he even apologizes we should should give some context to that i think um (laughs) Well, I mean, it's pretty common. You know, you have a pet squirrel, it gets okay, loose in good. a diner, goes That's up a man's trousers. That's what I meant. What more do you want? <laughs> but you just saying, oh, he's got this this pet in his pants that he wants to release to the world. People, you know, might get the wrong idea. So That's what's wrong with the world. Yeah, Ben, we can't just, you know, we can't just take the Iron Giant at uh, face value. We gotta, we have to explain the whole mythology of the squirrel in his pants. My goodness. Um but you know that that'll pay off later. You know this is a, a guy that's like he's willing to kind of uh, go along with things to point as long as it's not harming anyone. Even though it, I guess could harm him in that moment, uh, he's like, you know, sorry, kid. Uh, tried to tried to make sure you didn't get in trouble with your mom, uh, but had to eventually, you know, let the let the squirrel out of his pants. Ben, nothing nothing perverted about it. Um, I, I love the relationship with the the mom uh, here. Like I, I don't know, I feel like all the characters like. Yeah, they they feel they just feel real, which is I mean, this is like a fantasy setting too. A giant robot like you know falls out of the sky into the small town, uh, but the even the the villain, the heel here, which I think uh, <laughs> Christopher McDonald was just like born to play like a comedic mm-hmm, heel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love that. You know, even when he calls in the government uh, to come in and like, hey, we've got this giant robot problem and it's you know another another country is attacking us and we've got to solve this like you know he's he's treated with (laughs) he's discredited pretty quickly um and even when you know the robot eventually appears again and there's obviously going to be the army like shooting it's firing its tanks and guns at this robot like it's not like that all of a sudden like this guy's treated with like (laughs) like even more respect like I, i like that even the even the heel is seen as an overreaching kind of nuisance even to the people like that are i guess you know quote unquote on his side and uh yeah i don't know if that like i'm trying to think of a uh a film like a film that i think both you and i like lilo and stitch uh ving rames plays a very similar kind of character mm-hmm. as a christopher mcdonald not in tone 
but you know he's the the government agent that's there to, basically there to put a stop to all the fun proceedings of this child and their like you know alien creature that they've befriended um but I, I like seeing a little bit more of the uh the nuance as far as you see some adult relationships in this kid's fancy world where uh you know the John Mahoney character uh just can tell this guy is a complete jackass you know Hogarth we live in a strange and wondrous time the atomic age but there's a dark side to progress hogarth ever hear of sputnik yeah it's the first satellite in space foreign satellite hogarth and all that that implies much like that giant thing in the woods we don't know what it is or what it can do i don't feel safe hogarth do you what are you talking about what am i talking about what am i talking about i'm talking about your gold on security hogarth while you're snoozing in your wooded jammies back in Washington, we're wide awake and worried. Why? Because everyone wants what we have, Hogarth. Everyone. You think this metal man is fun, but who built it? The Russians? The Chinese? Martians? Canadians? I don't care! All I know is we didn't build it, and that's reason enough to assume the worst and blow it the kingdom come. Now, you are going to tell me about this thing, you are going to lead me to it, and we are going to destroy it before it destroys us! All of it's very funny and uh, maybe a little bit much for the, like, the... <laughs> the fussy kids you're talking mm-hmm. about but uh, i enjoy it uh, quite a bit as an adult i enjoy it too i just like all the cold war like intrigue which yeah i could see being tough for for kids to sit through and it's a it would be a perfectly fair comparison of uh, com- criticism to say that the film will you know was maybe made with 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 adults too much in mind mm. And, yeah. and yet at the same time, I mean, I really enjoy it. Like, like, you know, and I enjoyed it as a kid too. I don't know. I was a smart kid. So maybe that made it easier. And I think we'll kind of, we'll have a few, we have a few movies coming up that were aimed at, uh, smart kids, uh, with, uh, varying, uh, results, uh, you know, but not next episode. No, <laughs> of course, which I've been doing, that's what I've been doing the whole time. Uh, I have to keep you on your toes. So is this the, are you going to tease me on what the next episode is? Because I actually uh, don't, I don't have these up. I, I, oh, good. You know, we're doing this marathon Perfect. setting. So I, I did just like a few tabs and now I have to sort of reset as we go into the next wave of these recordings. All right. So uh, James Bond meets uh, Mel Gibson's wife from Ransom. That's your hint. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So since we're in the nineties, obviously it's Pierce Brosnan. Uh, the ransom thing. I don't think I'm not as huge of oh, a uh, Ron on. Howard fan as you. That was a so layup. That was a you know, I put the ball right there for you. <laughs> well, look, okay, you know, it, it took me a second. I got it, but you know, we could go with uh, we could uh, go with a maybe lethal weapon. I don't know why you went with uh, ransom. You know, that that's probably more iconic their pairing. But uh, Rene Russo, Pierce Brosnan, and uh, decidedly adult. Um, movie and i remember that from the marketing of it that's like this is a sexy movie sexy times much like eyes wide shut uh this time they're they're actually going to give you the goods uh, for this uh thriller the thomas crown affair uh colon sexy times <laughs> what a, you know would have been an interesting title too. well don't you remember those dvds where they'd have like uh i think uh 13 going on 30 was my favorite because it was the fun and yeah. party edition <laughs> I love those. I love when they put those like stupid little titles on them. So yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the, the Iron Giant, and it's like, was it called like the Legacy or Signature Edition? Just so 
The one Awful. I the one I don't like is the Army of Darkness Knucklehead edition, which the hmm. Knucklehead edition really sucks in comparison to the other editions of that movie. So I guess they're basically saying, "Oh, you're a knucklehead if you bought oh. this edition." Uh, well, <laughs> the Evil Dead series, aren't there like you know twenty different versions of all those? Like, the, I feel like the video rights, there's always a new edition coming out, but there are certain uh, ones that, you, that are like considered right in terms of like the purest angle and everything in terms of like this is frame the frame size and everything because they've done all you're right that they've done all sorts of shit with it but you have to like find the the exact you know right copies and everything this is just a preview of our uh our next podcast after 99 from 99 which is just going to be on video releases and uh ben will just review all the special features um <laughs> speaking Hopefully. of which and we teased it oh god you oh know god. with the like i was really surprised that there's a making of documentary on the iron giant uh dvd here where where brad bird just like he's just like going off on uh disney because i guess basically he worked for disney before iron giant and it didn't go so well and that's what sort of led to him developing this property with with warner brothers and he is just like it is just like son of a bang son of a book like he like you know hmm. it is really uh they, they had to bleep it out because you know i guess they're thinking that children might actually check out this special feature uh and it's really really interesting considering you know 2004 on you know he all his movies are with disney correct i believe so yeah i don't think he's uh well he did one mission impossible right yeah, you're right. But was that okay? So that that's Paramount. Yeah, okay, you're right. So yep. I almost, that, but I think that's almost. It. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> really funny. Uh, all right. So uh, next time we'll not be talking about the Iron Giant. You know, whatever edition uh, Ben's on. They see they could have done like you know Squirrel in the Pants edition if they wanted to get if they wanted their version of Sexy Times. Ben, you could have done that because I, you know, you keep you're keeping me in check on this podcast. And when I'm explaining something that I think has there's no possibility anyone can misconstrue it. You're you're <laughs> chuckling thinking that I'm leading people astray with the Iron Giant and its content I don't think I've done that with uh, Thomas Crown Fair there, there's there are plenty of sex scenes in this film right there's like one sex scene but it is one. it is memorable it is memorable oh god <laughs> alright we'll get into the weeds on that in the next episode we'll count the, uh, the sex scenes <laughs> And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99.